At Black Nerds Create, we love all things fandom and creation, and we especially love fantasy. That's why we're excited for our newly named Black Magical History Month coming in February. Black Magical History Month is our sixth annual celebration of Black stories, characters, and fans across different fantasy media. Get ready for a month of digital events, challenges, and community turnups all across social media. To stay up to date and get more information, go to blacknerdscreate.com. I'm Lin-Manuel Miranda, and you're listening to Hard Knock Life. Welcome to Hard Knock Life. I'm Keith Chow. I'm Brittany Monet. Hi, I'm Dominic Ma. The whole gang is back. It's good to see you. I came back last week, but the gang is back this week. Welcome back, everybody. Good to see you. I missed you. How was everyone's hiatus? It took us a while to get to the hiatus, but... Yeah, mine was good. I finished a squat challenge that I was doing, and now I'm almost about to finish the crunch challenge, so that's fun. So you oh, keep yeah. it healthy. Good for you. Trying At least one of us is healthy. I don't know. Does my face finally look slimmer, slimming down? You look great. As lot, always, so. Brittany, you look wonderful. I'm trying. Thank you. <laughs> Dominic, how was your break? It's fine. Rainy. <laughs> Rewatch the wire, you know, as one does. I did not do any physical health stuff, which one should do when you're on a hiatus from the screens <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. But anyway. I was also sick through most of it. So I'm, I'm yeah. finally uh, feeling feeling better. So that's... So the, you, no one tuned in to the podcast to hear about our individual health challenges, but they did tune into this podcast about particularly this week, the biggest news to discuss maybe ever on the podcast. I don't know. That's, that's maybe hyperbole. I mean, <laughs> you know, you know, I'm a DC head. Hyperbole that buddy. Yeah. Well, it's the Super Bowl next week, so. Mm, yeah, this is the Hyper Bowl. This is the Hyper Bowl. Next week is the Super Bowl. Some cool trailers coming from the Super Bowl next week. Did you? Oh, get, right. Yeah, it'll be trailer. The flash trail. We're gonna. That movie's actually coming out apparently, so we'll we'll see some footage from the Flash. But speaking of the Flash and his home at DC Studios, we now have a slate of films and television series mm-hmm. announced by the man himself, James Gunn. And when you know it, we have a special guest on the podcast. Someone who was in the room where it happened. He was sitting there inches from James Gunn and Peter Safran when they delivered their slate of upcoming DC projects. Please welcome to Hard Knock Life, staff writer at the Nerds of Color, Mike Manalo. Hey, everyone. Hey, Keith. Hey, Brittany. Hey, Dominic. And everyone Hi, listening. Mike. Thank you guys for, first off, thank you guys for having me on this. I'm really excited to dive in. So, so yeah, really grateful for this. Well, we, we got we got to talk to you because... Dominic, Brittany, and I have been wondering about what the hell DC is going to look like going into the future. James Gunn finally announced their plans. Chapter one of DCU is called Gods and Monsters. We're getting five. Well, so far, there's going to be more to the slate, but they announced five streaming series, five films. And the four movies that are coming out in 2023 are going to tie into or lead into this new chapter of the dc cinematic universe so conveniently <laughs> well so let's start with that let's start with the immediate because i mentioned the super bowl is going to give us the first real footage of the flash which gun and saffron seem to be high on still like yeah they, he said the he liked it right if a gun said he liked the flash yeah. movie he, he really was excited for it the vibes coming from gun it you know gun always comes off very sincere so i it's hard to tell whether or not it is pr or whether it is gun but it seemed legit that he said it was the one of the most effing greatest superhero movies you can cuss on this podcast mike i don't okay. know if you cuss generally but you can say fuck he said he said it's one of the fucking greatest superhero movies he's ever seen we are a podcast was- that fucks don't worry <laughs> speaking of fucking Right. Like what's also interesting about this slate is that it's also going to embrace PG-13 and R ratings across the board. But let's let's think about. So one of the one of the burning questions that we've had at the Nerds of Color is how would the DCEU morph into the DCU? Right. Like we've talked about. First of all, they've they've rebooted the DC universe, the Cinemag universe multiple times just in the last few years already. Yes. And now we have. You know, Shazam's coming out in a couple of weeks, and there's a whole shitload to talk about oh, Shazam, oh. unfortunately. After that, 
leading into yet another problematic lead actor for a DC film, The Flash. And that, he says, James Gunn says, will reset the universe, which will then lead into Blue Beetle, and that will lead into Aquaman. Weirdly, Aquaman 2 is part of the reset DC universe. So, Mike, let me ask you, since, again, you were in the room and, and perhaps there was some body language or some things in the ether that didn't come out in all the press reports, did did they dig into or did someone ask about how exactly is the current iteration of DC universe morphing into the to this new version particularly with you know flashpoint seems to like be the the makes the most sense to be the reset but at the same time it's kind of leading into a sequel to a film that's part of the original version of the universe like did did he talk at all more deeply that maybe wasn't you know again addressed in the press reports about how exactly the dceu becomes the dceu they, they, so I, I will say this. No one directly asked the question. What kind know, of but... journalists were in the room, man? <laughs> I know those bastards. No, I, I, for, for me anyways, the way that I interpreted what he was saying and the way that I got it was that Flash was really going to be that Flashpoint, right? Like it's going to, it, the way that Flashpoint reset everything into the New 52, this was going to be sort of a New 52 of sorts. And in the New 52, when you think about it, Batman kind of continued. The continuity of Batman sort of remained intact, but then a lot of other things yeah. ended Which up didn't make any it. sense at the time, but we'll, we won't dive into my problems with the New 52. <laughs> How the fuck do you have five Robins, but you haven't been Batman for like eight years? But anyway, go ahead. But I guess it's going to be very similar. Flash is going to do that. And while they weren't ready to answer the specific question, uh, they said some of the old you know, stars that we knew and we loved about the DCEU would be staying some of them would be going. And famously, we know for a fact that Affleck and Cavill are definitely no longer part of it. I think from what I understand, there's still talk and question about whether Godot, Miller, and, you know, well, Momoa's in, I think. But what Momoa is going to be playing, they emphasize it's not going to be two roles, and they weren't privy to whether it would be Aquaman or Lobo or something else. But my suspicion is going to be Lobo, even though they didn't actually explicitly say it. Didn't Peter Safran say, I thought I read a quote, maybe it was in your piece, that they envision Aquaman as a trilogy. So like there's still an Aquaman 3 on the horizon. They did envision Aquaman as a trilogy. That's correct. But they didn't explicitly say, you know, whether or not it was going to be part of this Momoa trilogy or anything. We don't know anything really about the the Aquaman in the Lost City, you know, in the sense that it might be one of those standalone movies that from a timeline perspective takes place before Flashpoint, right? That could be very possible. And then Flashpoint resets everything from there. Yeah. So we don't really know. But we do know that a couple of people are sticking around for sure. Um, Momoa to some capacity. Viola Davis, most definitely. She's yeah. got her own series. And most definitely Saffron, let it slip that Cena is sticking around as, as Peacemaker as well. So those are the ones that, those are the three that have absolutely been confirmed but everything else is still very much up in flux. And the two that are confirmed to be out, Cavill and Affleck, as far as portraying Batman and Superman are concerned. So my guess is it's going to be a mix. Some things from the DCEU sticking around and some things being hard rebooted. Whatever Flashpoint is going to do is going to hard reboot those things. And it's interesting too, Dominic and Brittany, we've talked a lot about Peacemaker on this podcast. And one of the questions that was kind of out there was, you know, James Gunn is heavily involved with Suicide Squad and Peacemaker. How would, you know, would they stick around after they reset the universe? How could it be if those were like firmly in the DCEU? But what's interesting, if you flash back to the finale of season one, when we see the Justice League, and that was like, oh, this is part of the DCEU. You notice that we only really see Aquaman and Flash, like Ezra Miller, mm -hmm. Jason Momoa, are the only two actual physical actors in, on set. Wonder Woman's in Shadow, Superman's in Shadow. So in a sense... If they are the Flash and Aquaman of the DCU, you could say Peacemaker really wasn't part of the DCEU as we knew it and was kind of this new version of the DC universe. I mean, I'd said this to Lauren last week when we talked about, you know, interestingly about Star Wars, but like continuity is like a nerd's game anyway. Like most people don't give a shit about continuity. But that said, like, how do you two feel about, you know, I know that like Dominic in particular doesn't have a lot of love for the current DC, you know, cinematic continuity, but like just in general, all the things we've talked about over the last couple of years, like where, what do you think of this initial announcement about 
how these four movies in 2023 lead to this rebirth, uh, pardon the pun, of the DC universe. I mean, I think in a way I'm for it because there are certain things that Snyder, I've never fully liked Snyder. I know it works for some people. It just didn't work for me. I do think the one thing Snyder did well was casting, you know, Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck. So it's kind of sad that those are the two that were like losing in this new universe. But I don't know. I'm kind of excited to see what James Gunn is going to do because I really did like the Suicide Squad and obviously I really loved Peacemaker. So I'm excited for what's going to happen. But also at the same time, I'm kind of just like, oh, I don't know. I feel bad that certain people aren't coming back. That's how <laughs> I feel about it. Can I just add some things for context for perhaps the non-super comics nerds who are listening? Because like, uh, for one thing, I, I agree with you. This is the biggest dc news to hit the universe since oh i don't know that time there was announced there would be a cyborg movie at that time <laughs> so i'll play yeah. everything flip back to the context of yes we've had this moment before absolutely get announced <laughs> it is not necessarily uh, gonna relate to movies that actually come out for sure uh, this for... flash movie that's that's coming out air quotes in june was supposed to come out yeah. five years ago for, right, for right, right. one example right that said, it is good to have a plan. We appreciate having a plan, and it gives us nerds something to look forward to. Um, specifically, as far as Flashpoint, we, we, I remember for you non-comics nerds, that is the one where Flash runs around the multiverse and creates many alternate timelines, which very conveniently, you know, enables multiversal things to happen. I think at one point in the podcast, I was thinking, like, I think it's totally cool if they have, like, what's face Pattinson Batman just being Batman in just sort of, you know, a side alley of what we're gonna say is the main dcu with you know gun and saffron it's totally cool if there are two two batmans it's totally cool if that one uh batman universe is just on its own path you know marvel paved that ground and you know and, and so even further to relate to you know the momoa thing momoa if you're listening i'm just like you know as far as the two characters that people want you to play you know, like, por que no los dos, dude? Like, <laughs> the one thing we really could have is you could be Aquaman and Lobo <laughs> in, the in same two movie. different sectors. Or in this, the same movie, for God's sake. Of this world universe. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I would love to see Jason Momoa act against Jason Momoa. I realize that's unlikely. I'm just saying <laughs> it as the, because we've opened up the multiverse Pandora box. A, don't believe anything that they say in this, like, or don't. I, or don't, you know, adapt when it changes because it's going to change. Mm -hmm. And B, we should embrace the uh, versatility of the possibilities now that like, uh, you know, we're not locked into the one Batman anymore. That is like so 2012. We can have. Well, you know, I'm glad you brought up Battinson because, Mike, another thing that came out before we get into the slate, the other the other thing that came out, you know, in terms of like confusion and how do the universes work together is that. They firmly established there will be a DC Elseworlds kind of imprint, if you will, for films that exist outside the current DC universe continuity. And that it includes Matt Reeves' Batman. It includes Todd Phillips' Joker. It includes, for some reason, he kept bringing up Teen Titans Go, which as a Teen Titans Go fan, like, I absolutely love that they're basically committing to keeping the show going. But it's like, I don't think anyone was like wondering if the Teen Titans Go was going to be part of the universe or not, but. You know, well, it's an interesting I mean, problem because of the video games thing, but I'll circle well, back. Yeah, well, yeah, well, that's I do want to talk about, and that's that's where my conversation with Lauren kind of went last week. But so the Elseworld stuff is happening. I know, Brittany, you wanted Battinson to be the Batman in this universe, but Mike, yeah. did they, what did they say about like you know the Elseworld stuff and how, and what we can look forward to as far as continuing to make things outside the? I know he doesn't want to call it the Gunverse, but we'll just use that as a shorthand for now. The the current DCU. Sure. So really, Matt Reeves is going to be finishing what they called the Batman crime saga, for sure. And that's not going to have any effect at all into what the main storyline of the DC universe is really going to be. And I think that that's great, because we're still going to get the Penguin series. We're still going to get the Batman part two, as it's officially called. Colin and I think Farrell even confirmed in an interview with Variety this week that the Penguin series is about to start shooting in a couple of weeks and it'll yep. be eight episodes yep and apparently robert pattinson was in new york but yeah hmm. robert pattinson was apparently in new york recently so mm. the plot goes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's still gonna keep going and and most likely reeves is going to at least have one more batman film after part two so that's going to be great 
I know Superman and Lois is still going to continue. That is definitely an Elseworlds thing now. And the Todd Phillips Joker movie, Joker Folly Ado, is definitely going to continue and exist as Elseworlds. The one thing that Gunn was adamant about that, I don't know if really if the trades really reported on this specifically, but he really did emphasize, or at least that I caught, that something would really have to come along to have like this really great story for them to also do an another Elseworlds movie outside of what's already being done right now. So I think, you know, it to help them kind of concentrate on this single story, they're not necessarily, you know, just taking any Elseworlds story that's coming in, you know, on their plate right now. But if it's really good and if it's really worthwhile, I think they would pursue it. But that being said, I actually love the idea that you can pursue Elseworlds, that they're introducing the idea of Elseworlds to fans that don't read the comics as much because as someone that goes to the comic book shop every wednesday it's great to see a batman book that's not part of the main continuity like uh i don't know um batman the winding year or something like that you know different different takes from different authors and and to have that on the films as well allows more creativity and more direction from any filmmaker coming in and putting their spin on the character so i i love that and Making that clear demarcation between Elseworlds and the main continuity is something that I think Marvel's kind of stumbled at, you know, since their inception. So that might be, it, it really is a good step forward for DC, you know? So let's dig into it. Let's dig into the actual slate that we're getting. So after, uh, you know, discussing how the, the this year's crop of films will continue to come out, I know there was some concern, like, you know, they canceled Batgirl and all that stuff. Like, were they going to cancel like these movies? Is the Flash going to come? Those movies are all coming out. Uh, and then it's going to lead directly into the beginning of the DC universe, which I'm assuming they didn't give any, other than Superman, they didn't give any release dates. So, but I'm assuming these are all going to kick off in 2024. And the first project they announced was an animated series. And this is what really kind of like took me back. I don't know how the, the room reacted, Mike. But, you know, you, you you kind of build up and then like the first thing out of his mouth is Creature Commandos. <laughs> oh, the animated series. Like, who? Yeah. See, that's yeah. a test. Yeah. That's a test if you dig yes. the same weird parts of the comic universe that James Gunn honestly does. Yeah. Or if you're that, that, you know, in tune with the obscure knowledge of DC's history, you know. <laughs> I'm a professed DC head. Mm-hmm. I had no fucking idea who the fuck the creature commandos were when I, when I read Mike's uh, draft. Because full disclosure, Mike drafted the article like the night before embargo, right? So I was like reading this shit at like 2 a.m. Like, the fuck is the creature commandos? Well, wait, as far as I remember, it's like the Guardians of the Galaxy thing. The creature yeah. commandos are a thing I've heard of, but he made his own, you know, cast of them, sure. which not like the iconic creatures. So the 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 kind of like, you know, background research i did after finding out about this is the one project that's kicking off the whole fucking thing is yes they were a team of universal monsters essentially assembled to fight the nazis back during world war ii i'm assuming this is not what creature commandos is going to be about for the launch of the dc universe and i'm assuming the the art piece that they showed is from the show itself so like along with all of the announcements they actually released comic book art which which I would dig, we were going to dig into like what does it mean like wh- why they use p- particular like images from the comics but the creature commandos art is actually lifted from the show right that's that's, that's probably the first official footage from any kind of DCU project we got was creature commandos right that's correct yes this is from the show this is from the animation company that's doing it and the the big kind of like the big news i guess of this is that what they're, what's going to set the DC apart from previous incarnations of the DC universe and movies in live action or whatever is that it's not going to be just live action. As they, you know, they announced this animated series is the first thing. They're going to tie together animated series, live action, TV, film, and video games. I'm wary about this. We've, we've talked about in Star Wars how difficult it is to keep track of all of the continuity. And, and people, you know, Dave Filoni gets in trouble because, like, he contradicts things from the books. Do you guys share any concerns that trying to herd all of the cats in all the different kinds of media to tell a single story? Even Marvel can't do that. Marvel Marvel's struggles came when they started incorporating streaming series, right? Now imagine Marvel was like the video games and the cartoons count too. Star Wars is probably the one place where like they've tried that approach and it's, you know, various forms of success, Fallen Jedi and whatever. 
tying into the, you know, continuity or whatever. So like, where, where, where are we on this whole unified theory of all mediums telling one story? I think Star Wars is totally cohesive, but that's the, <laughs> yeah. really well, that's the problem, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like the current books that I do read are the ones that are actually like part of the Disney film, Lucas film, like story group. So it's like they do have to run by things by like the film and TV live action thing before they do something. So it's a little different with those set of books. I didn't read the like, what is it called? The like extended or the old right, right, books? Right, right. I didn't the read those stuff ones. And stuff. Yeah, the legend stuff. So I don't know anything about terms of Dave Filoni. I think that's when people are complaining is when he is. No, but he apparently, Tales of the Jedi apparently contradicted something from the Ahsoka book. And that's why like people are. I haven't read that book yet. (laughs) So So. that's on my list of. What is, I mean, so. You're segueing. I'm sorry. You're the the lone gamer on the podcast. I'm not accounting for Mike. I mean, the like regular cast of characters on this podcast. You're the lone gamer in that sense. Like how difficult is it to incorporate video games? Like in Star Wars tries with like Battlefront and fallen jedi oh yeah no no. that's that's the place in the media coverage where it got the most pushback that exact comment so but wait i'm gonna say my opinion is that thing he said about unifying all across all the media i think he was kind of just saying that to appease the fan part of the fan base of dc movies that has rightly been going well it's just not as cohesive as marvel it's not as integrated as marvel and that's that's definitely true. So the the connections between each movies they aren't as fun to make because it seems loosey goosey. And I mean, and I do believe that they will try to integrate, you know, animation, TV shows, movies, and that's things. I have a suspicion he was just sort of umbrelling video games like in an ideal world. That's if that's actually a policy. So anyway, the media coverage where there's pushback because making video games is a different animal. And if you're like, oh, we have to have for example, the A-list movie actor doing the voice for Superman, because we have to have the same person doing Superman in every media, that puts on an, you know, an un, unmanageable restriction. And of course, would screw up the whole process because these are A-list movie stars now. They have to work around their schedule and all that crap. Anyway, that's my that was my thinking. I just don't think they're gonna hold to that video game part. Yeah, it seemed like he was fully serious about it, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> the, the the reason the reason that I said that was because he was really adamant that we weren't just going to have video game tie-ins, you know, like Superman Legacy comes out and then the video game comes out of that, that, oh, that fills in some gaps from the Superman movie. What he was really suggesting was the the super like any video game that comes out will likely come out between two of the really centric, uh, you know, story-centric uh, films. Because the five films and the five shows that he introduced th- last Monday, that's only half of chapter one. And supposedly some of these are really going to tie in really heavily to the main storyline and others very loosely. So my guess is if they do a video game and it ties into, you know, Superman Legacy and Supergirl World of Tomorrow, it'll be like what was crypto up to between the events of that moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll like play that. that game. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I want I mean I want to add one more thing to that. The only reason this matters is because the Batman and Spider-Man games were some of the best narratives for those characters <laughs> ever. Like there was like we debate about the movies all the time and you know I realized when you know it's not spe- it's speaking to the the <laughs> You're not 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 those into those games, but uh, Bat- <laughs> the Batman games beat the hell out of most Batman movies. The Spider Man, yeah. yeah, the Spider Man game beats the hell out of most Spider Man movies. So why, if we have to make those adhere to the movies which are of varying quality, it's we're going. Ugh. The PlayStation Spider Man game is successful because it doesn't have to incorporate the movies into it. Yeah, the Arkham games are successful because they didn't have to be christian bale and whatever right like they could be their own thing and that's my same worry about and it's not just video games i think similarly i think someone on twitter asked james gunn because that's the other thing that sets james gunn apart from every other like studio head is like he fully responds to people on twitter but they asked him like you know dc over the last couple years has maybe they've been varying degrees of success with their live action films but they've created a core fan base of their animated films 
over oh, the yeah. last 10 years or so. And like there was a whole continu- DCAU continuity, right? Like th- that sense ended and now there's a bunch of like single story, you know, films coming out like Super Sons and Legion Legion of Superheroes and all that stuff. And they asked him like, is the DCAU movie still going to happen? And Gunn said, yeah, we're still going to do them. But like, are they going to be now Elseworlds? Or is he saying we're going to do animated movies that they have to now tie into them? Like, Again, continuity is the domain of nerds, and I get like why folks have these conversations. But sometimes I do think continuity can also be oppressive, and having to adhere to like someone's story idea in this like whatever medium can sometimes just get in the way of a good story. And that's always what I thought. Marvel's figured out like they're the only game that's figured that out, and even then, it's varying degrees of success, right? Yeah, and and you know I think to the point of the dc animated titles you know i honestly think that that franchise has been going on forever like that anim- the the direct-to-video animated movies are all connected right my uh impression is that if those are still going to continue they'll probably have to be elseworlds for sure and i don't think that there's any issue with something like that because they can remain as is and if people don't like the what what guns cooking up they can just watch those as they've they've done with the dceu and these existing simultaneously so i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily say like every single thing that has been created in existence is is connected but just the stuff that they're working on that that's getting created net new will probably be part of that that story unless that franchise already existed like superman and lois the batman or this the the dcau titles that's the impression that i got Guess what? Goalie Nutrition is sponsoring Hard Knock Life, and you can go to goalie.com to buy apple cider vinegar gummies. They're ashwagandha gummies, super fruit gummies, and super greens gummies. And you get 10% off plus free shipping if you use the code HARDKNOCK at goalie.com. This is honestly, I've been taking the goalie gummies now for, for a couple weeks, and I have to say, they're tasty and they're good for you. Have you guys been enjoying the goalie gummies? I really like them. They're yummy, but it's a nice to add to my like routine of already like I normally take just straight vitamin C, so it's nice to have like extra supplements. For a long time people have have praised the benefits of apple cider vinegar and you know as someone who's had to like drink straight apple cider vinegar sometimes when i'm not feeling well or you know i have a some joint pain and your mom is like drink some apple cider vinegar. It's mm. not the most appetizing home remedy let's just say no, right. it tastes horrible so, like the apple cider part is like ooh, does it taste like apple cider it is like no it tastes like vinegar but acv is very good for you and the fact that goalie has been able to put the acv into these tasty little gummies made with pectin and fruit peels which make them vegan which is cool so if you're vegan you can still rock these gummies because everyone knows gummies are usually made out of like gelatin and nasty shit this these are made out of complete non-gmo gelatin-free gluten-free vegan ingredients and you can get the benefits all of the benefits of apple cider vinegar taking these tasty delicious convenient gummies so go to goalie.com and use the code hard knock that's h-a-r-d-n-o-c just like the podcast you're listening to get 10 percent off your purchase of goalie products and free shipping it's a much better delivery device for that apple cider vinegar yeah these goalie gummies are great you get it and it's it's a delicious little candy and i've been enjoying the super fruits one i did feel kind of refreshed after taking a few of those yeah no but i'm loving them so far and they're definitely tasty if you just want tasty gummies at least just (laughs) eat them for the the, like the yummiest Yeah. yeah So go to Goalie.com, use the code HARDKNOCK, H-A-R-D-N-O-C, get 10% off your purchase, and free shipping at Goalie.com with the code HARDKNOCK. So let's run through some of the other announcements, because I I do want to dig into them as much as possible. And I think, Mike, there's a particular order that all of these announcements came out in. He never said this is the order that they're going to actually physically come out in, right? Not right now, no. And again, he doesn't know. <laughs> I'm well, sorry, I have to keep on bringing up. Warner Brothers. No, no, no. I, there's, there's, the thing is, there's several projects that he announced here, like I said, that he mentioned will potentially tie into that main storyline. And if one of these gets delayed, the rest of them are going to shift. But then there's cool. other cool. stuff here that doesn't have that direct of an impact on that main storyline. Maybe some characters intersect, but it's not really going to be part of fleshing out that main narrative that will come out whenever they need to come out because they're not going to impact anything. Mm. So that's what he's hoping. 
That was one of my big questions. The second project was Waller, which I think was a big surprise because everyone assumed that he was working on Peacemaker 2. But Waller, is, in a sense, is taking the place of Peacemaker 2 because he says this happens between 1 and 2 because he just didn't have time to work on Peacemaker 2. Yes. But this is essentially kind of like a sequel to Peacemaker because it's going to involve Viola Davis, which is interesting that, you know, this was the first project that they announced outside of Creature Commandos and they used the comic book art. And I was thinking like, we already have Viola, like images of Viola Davis as Waller. Why would you use the comic book art? Maybe the comic book art is kind of a hint as to what's inspiring the Waller series, but we have that. And that's a direct tie in to the Peacemaker show. It's even going to have Peacemaker folks on it. It's being show run by Cristal Henry, who worked on Watchmen and Jeremy Carver, who created Doom Patrol. So that's already a pretty like that sounds good. That's a pretty elite tandem of showrunners. So what just quick thoughts on uh the Waller show and with Viola Davis, the EGOT winner herself that's leading the way. I think she's one of the like again, one of the better castings that we got from like the quote unquote Snyder part of the world. She's always great. And I don't know, I really like Doom Patrol, uh, even though that got canceled, you know. But I don't know. So it's been fun, I think, with Jeremy and everyone but do we think and i mean this is always true but i think it's been like more more true that like they're echoing the model of the you know nick fury samuel jackson being sort of the you know nexus point of the marvel universe and that worked really well and that's he got to slowly gather people and bring the different characters together and waller has been doing that and that is her natural function in dc universe too so as far as just you know again somewhat aping what MCU has done with great success. I think that's a good part of the model to borrow. Yeah, but I do also wonder, like, again, I, I know I, I keep harping on the continuity piece, but like when you think of, to Brittany's point, you have some casting that crosses over from the original iteration of these characters into this new version, Valo Davis being one of them. You know, it's interesting that aside from The Suicide Squad, which was James Gunn's movie, the other projects that she was a part of, namely... Suicide Squad 1 and Black Adam are kind of like the redheaded stepchildren of, of the original DCEU. And it's like, you know, is her assembling the that first iteration of Suicide Squad and the Justice Society? Is that really what she did? Because it's, are we supposed to just kind of like, you know, neuralize or forget it like men in black? And that, that you know, the only team she's assembled is the Peacemaker team? Like, you know what I mean? Like, well, she does black op government stuff, dude. She This is all, all above selective our amnesia. Grade. This this continuity stuff is like yeah, and and Gunn did mention that some events would seem like faint memories. Mm-hmm. Um, he used that term specifically. That's always tough. like yeah. Uh, is did the events happen and then Flashpoint resets it and people just like vaguely remember it? You know, because well, I mean, and this leads into the da- big daddy of them all. The the next project that he announced is again, you know. I think the one of the issues with the whole DCU slate announcement is that like, you know, James Gunn was on Twitter kind of like talking about all this shit for months before they came out with it, right? That that big Hollywood reporter story about all the machinations happening behind the scenes at DC for the last few months too. So we had all the stories about, you know, Henry Cavill coming back and going away and getting fired, but he's not fired. He's too old, even though he's like, like 38 he's not really that old if you think about it like he could conceivably still play a young superman but james gunn was very adamant even before this slate announcement that his superman would be a young superman and they announced coming out in july of 2025 his superman movie the real kickoff to the dcu will be superman legacy and it's a movie he's currently writing they kind of hinted that he'll probably direct it and that's going to feature young Superman. What I thought was really interesting, again, going back to the announcements, they specifically used artwork from Frank Quietly and Grant Morrison's All-Star Superman. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm assuming, I don't know that James Gunn, did he make a big deal about the artwork that accompanied the announcement? Because everyone's assuming that they're drawing inspiration from the artwork that they're showing. He did not. Mostly he just voiced his fan, you know, his fanboyness for All-Star Superman and for Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely. I do think that there's definitely probably going to be some pulls from there. But if I'm going to be honest, I think really the most they talked about in terms of the story was this idea of Superman existing as kindness in a time when people scoff at kindness. And I think that that really 
proves that he gets Superman, you know, which I love, you know, he stands for truth, justice, all that stuff. And, you know, he's going to be that very righteous moral center that is missing from this universe, I think. So I, I think that's something that optimism is something that we saw in All-Star Superman. If you guys had the chance to read that, it's a wonderful run. It is Elseworlds, which is oddly enough, you know, they're <laughs> pulling from Elseworlds to put into continuity. But that being said, it's it is a really optimistic, really bright story. And I think that they're probably going to go for that tone. But he didn't really explicitly say they're pulling from All-Star Superman because I doubt there's going to be a cancer subplot. You know, that's was central to All-Star Superman. But my guess is as far as the tone and, you know, how this is going to look and feel, I'm guessing that that's probably their inspiration. I just hope that they cast maybe a more unknown actor versus someone who's already kind of established. Huh. Especially they're trying to go young, younger. Yeah. Like, or someone who looks younger than Henry Cavill, because Henry Cavill doesn't look like he's about to turn 40. So you got to find someone who looks like at least then 10 years younger than Henry Cavill looks, I would say. So I don't know. I would like to see an unknown actor play it. Kind of just like how Chris Hemsworth was virtually unknown when he got Thor like you know something like that I think the Superman uh announcement was very interesting I had two major thoughts about it one was like I I believe one of James Gunn's major powers as a filmmaker is doing what I'll call kind of like a snark bro dude vibe you know <laughs> like you know the funny dudes basically he does that very well so it seems like to give himself the challenge of doing this sort of, you know, straight edge, old fashioned, hopeful Superman stories, interesting challenge. And I think he also mentioned he'd have to do his relationship with his family and, and his father. you know, another theme that Gunn comes back to a lot is, you know, relationship with fucked up fathers. And that's where he gets like the emotional core, the weight of a lot of these things he does. So I think it's a very interesting thing because, you know, you know, in our old fashioned idea of Superman, he's definitely like the least least bro <laughs> he makes the, he makes the least you know witty comments um so there's that one thing just about his style and i also want to pick up on you know keith you were saying i thought they were very being very conscious about the art they were choosing to promote this unseen stuff because it does pulls more from the more recent era of of you know the morrison superman and the morrison batman yeah graham morrison's got a big like presence over the the whole slate announcement Yes, Grant Morris has shed a little heavily on this other thing. We're pulling for a more, more recent slate of the comic stories, which are less old-fashioned than traditional DC stories. Honestly, I love that for once we're not just pulling from just Frank Miller or, you know, the most well-known story that sold a million copies that everyone knows. We're actually pulling from real, you know, authors and real storylines that were fantastic but that might not be household names. That's what I love about people pulling from Grant Morrison, Tom King. I hope they pull from Scott Snyder's run of, of Swamp Thing in addition to Alan Moore's run because Scott Snyder did some revolutionary things with Swamp Thing. Even Chip Zdarsky, who did a lot of the recent Batman runs, has been doing a good job. These amazing stories exist from these amazing authors that people don't know about. And the only thing that any director, whether it's Nolan or whether it's Snyder, or whether it's even Burton has thought to pull from is the most obvious one, which is 100%. And I've, I've argued for years. I mean, as much as I love every incarnation of Batman that's appeared on big screens and small, they are very much in the vein of Frank Miller. And I've, I think I wrote a post on the nerds of color many years ago that like, there were other comic book writers than Frank Miller who did Batman. And, you know, if, if anything, like, I will give, like, Nolan a little bit of credit because he does pull a little Denny O'Neill here, a little... Jeff Loeb. Yeah. Right? So, like, with Ra's al Ghul and everything. But, yeah, but it's still very much in the vein of, like, year one and everything. So let's jump ahead a little bit because there were some other announcements in between. But let's, since we're talking about Batman, I did want to mention the Brave and the Bold is the DCU's introduction. Not only their Batman, but their Robin. We haven't seen Robin on screen since Chris O'Donnell. And it's going to be Damian Wayne. What's interesting is that, you know, talking about the artwork informing the stories is that the artwork they use is, is very much Dick Grayson as Batman, but he, he was very clear that his Batman is Bruce Wayne, right? Yes, correct. It's going to be a father-son story for sure. So it's and, just, they just yeah. happen to use the Dick Batman artwork. Yeah. The, the <laughs> that confused me a little bit when I saw yeah. Batman and Son was very much the, led to Batman and Robin, which ended up right. being when Dick took over the cow. But right. we're I'm assuming that the the at least this first Brave in the Bull movie is going to be when Bruce finds out about Damien. I don't think Damien will right. even be Robin for a couple of films. 
I think it's definitely the Batman and Sons storyline that Grant Morrison did. Um, in I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head. I want to say Detective Comics six something. I feel like they pulled this image just because it showcases how Damian Wayne actually was raised as an assassin and a murderer. Shit. <laughs> yeah, he's like a little shit, and I think that Gunn loves that about him. So he really emphasized that. Brittany, how do you feel about Robin? coming back to the uh, batman universe as this as the the one of the biggest defenders of batman and robin look that movie is everything okay <laughs> like i love that movie i don't know i'm excited I, especially that maybe we might have i don't know if they're gonna keep damon wayne being a, like a person of color well they need but to i mean shout out to suara who i think he's even given some casting suggestions on twitter mm-hmm. but damon wayne needs to be at, at the very least mina or swana because, you know, he's the son of Tali al Ghul, who's the daughter of Ra's al Ghul. And Ra's al Ghul has been white in too many live action properties that we need to we need to finally allow Ra's al Ghul to be a person of color and therefore Damien being a person of color. So because a lot of the, you know, casting suggestions people are throwing out there is all like, you know, skinny yeah. frail white boys and it's like that's not damien <laughs> i love Timothy um, chalamet is not damien wayne god damn. oh that oh what no. someone suggested him. he's also I saw, what's his name from um the umbrella academy but, yeah, but he's also not a person of color the gallagher and he's not yeah but i was gallagher. just i was just like no he's so white <laughs> i love the actor but yeah i'm always like i always like a batman and robin story so i'm excited for it but, and the other exciting thing is he he specifically said this is going to lead into a bat family movie right like yeah we're, we're getting they're the going to family. be in this they're definitely going to be in this in this movie not just I, batman right we're getting we're going to get i'm so i'm assuming since they're starting with damien we're going to live in a world in which dick's already been established he'll probably be nightwing already maybe there'll be a jason todd maybe there'll be a tim drake hopefully there's a cassandra kane and a barbara Gordon. like the whole fucking family now yeah. this is where going back to britney's thing about insisting on a younger superman for the DC. This is where I am kind of like, I do wish maybe Superman was. I know Mike has his issues about Henry Cavill. I'm not saying, you know, <laughs> we should keep Henry Cavill, but I think one reason that might have made sense to keep Henry Cavill is that Superman and Superman Legacy could be a little bit older, like in his late 30s, only because I feel like if Batman's already got a whole family and Damien's especially there, I would love to see Superman in a place where he's already firmly established, not just, I know it's not an origin, but he's still young. I would like to see a little bit older Superman so that we could get the whole Superman marries Lois and then they have Jonathan. And then in the future, we'll get a Jonathan and Damien Super Sons movie. But the timing doesn't make sense now if like by the time Jonathan's born, Damien will be like in his 30s. So we'll never get like the Super Sons movie, which they could have done if they kept Cavill or at least kept an older Superman. That said... Bat fam, everyone's been so excited to finally see the Bat family on. That's why I think Batgirl being canceled was was such a big deal because that was like the closest thing to like other people other than Batman on screen. But if we're getting the whole Bat family, this might be the best Batman movie ever made. Yeah, it's really good that they're bringing back the Robin thing just because Batman needs a relationship with some other people besides you know his fucking butler. He's a, he's a uniquely flawed character that he's so isolated and so rich and basically his human stuff happens with the butler whatever version of robin it is brings out an interesting dimension of batman again the father-son thing which james Gunn loves as a recurring theme so and Tom, and you can't have a more fucked up father than batman yeah you also oh. can't have a more fucked up son than damien <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so that's and if you want to distinguish richness. your batman from the Elseworlds Batman, what better way than to bring in the whole Bat family? Yeah, give him a family a, problem. Yeah, he's and I'm 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 assuming he's not going to be like that brooding kind of like Christian Bale, Ben Affleck, Robert Pattinson take on Batman. And he may be a little bit not that the you know the Grant Morrison Batman is not happy go lucky either, but he's definitely, you know, the Bat family Batman is not the Robert Pattinson, Christian Bale, Michael Keaton Batman. You know, and that's that's how you what better way to distinguish them than that, you know, the way that I really see it is what is Batman, if not a man that's trying to preserve innocence because he lost his when he was a kid. And that's the symbol of the Bat family. That's why the Bat family has to exist. It's because these people are people that he thinks he could save and help in the ways or or lost everything in the ways that he did. 
when you're dealing with a character that was raised as an assassin since he was born and you have to instill innocence or at least instill a sense of justice in this character that has no morality that is a quintessentially perfect batman tale to tell because that's what batman is he's justice and he's morality you know all all in one so to instill that in a murderer would be fantastic you know so let's uh, let's jump back a little bit and, and we'll we'll talk about these three in tandem the there's going to be a lanterns hbo max series where hal jordan and john stewart are basically teaming up as like a true detective style terrestrial crime that they have to solve which is interesting there's also going to be a booster gold hbo max series and a paradise lost hbo max series the paradise lost one sounds interesting because even though it's set on themyscira it's going to be a generation before diana and they're thinking of more of like a game of thrones style political intrigue where the Amazons came from type story. Yeah, because Krypton was so good as a TV series. Sorry, I'm a little bit cynical <laughs> about that one. I'm going to come right back. I'm getting it. Well, so like, I'm a little wary about Paradise Lost, to be honest. Of, of the three, I feel like I'm most excited for Lanterns just because I feel like the whole True Detective meets Space Cop sounds really interesting. Booster Gold is always going to be a fun idea for, for a series. Paradise Lost is a little bit tricky for me because... It's kind of they're they're like having their cake and eating it too because interestingly they didn't announce a Wonder Woman project right there there's clearly a Superman project clearly a Batman project Wonder Woman is the third part of that trinity and there's this whole like now I can see why Patty Jenkins was like fuck y'all then right because it's like where's the Wonder Woman project Paradise Lost is not a Wonder Woman project right and right. you can't and you can't kind of pass it off as one where's the one is it because they just don't know what to do with Gal is it because you know, like I'm a little and and I feel like using the Game of Thrones analogy also kind of I don't want to say rubs me the wrong way, but like let's be let's be honest. Like when Game of Thrones was pitched, what was it how was it pitched? It's Lord of the Rings with boobs, right? Like it's all remember all the sex position in Game of Thrones? And I'm like, do we want to take that route with the Amazons? <laughs> you know what I mean? Is that how you want to pitch? Like, oh, right, because it's an HBO series. Right, because it's an HBO series. Oh, I'm my like, God. <laughs> you know, I mean... Potential landmines. <laughs> I just... I just, I mean. It depends on who they get to run the show, but I just feel like the Game of Thrones pitch is a little tone deaf if you're talking about a Themyscira show, I feel. Maybe I'm wrong, because House of Dragons maybe was not as, like, ex- seemingly not as exploitative as, you know, early seasons of Game of Thrones, but it still wasn't great, <laughs> you know, in that, in that regard. Yeah, I stopped watching house of dragon matt smith was honestly the only good thing about that show and you were supposed to be rooting for the other girl i don't even remember her name and i was just like why can't matt smith just kill them all and just (laughs) well because i mean the other the other thing that gives me a little pause is that and i don't they didn't say they're going to go this route but you know like the whole brian azzarello take on the themiscarians was like very rapey and again, if you're going to use the Game of Thrones analogy, I just hope they don't go the Azarella route that like Zeus just raped everyone and that's where the Themyscirans came from. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, like Dom said, potential landmines in the Paradise Lost story. Well, there is a certain, you know, white dude overseer, you know, point of view from this whole slate, which I'm not going to like over, I'm not going to like over complain about that now because it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's too far in advance, but it is a dimension of it. But of course, we didn't, haven't talked about the Supergirl movie that they announced yet. I mean, Wonder World Woman is in a weird place. True. I mean, as far as the cinematic franchise. But yes, all those all those points well taken. And rem- remember one of those things like just as simple as, you know, the co- I'm speaking about your Game of Thrones uh, analogy, mm-hmm. like like the, the costumes in Wonder Woman were like, were like so well done. And then we got the Zack Snyder version of those, which was clearly... Game of Thronesy titillating sexification of something they went out of their way to do in a more elegant way in the Jenkins Wonder Woman. I mean, so that's exactly the kind of thing that could happen. Yeah, because white dudes overseeing things and and that's their, where their that's what we don't know. And then they didn't announce who the know. showrunner for Paradise Losses. My guess it'd be really tone deaf if they didn't put a female showrunner in charge of something like this. To be honest, I they really must. They really yeah. should. So, I mean, and that could belay a lot of the fears I have. But I just, when when I saw the Game of Thrones analogy, I was like, mm, do we want to do that for a Wonder Woman show? Well, they're just saying because Game of Thrones is super popular. You know, right. I, I think you're overanalyzing because they're, they're pumping their own HBO, you know. Yeah, for sure. Successes. But, but good point. 
If they're smart, honestly, if Tom King, who is a comic book writer, is involved with a lot of this, you'd be you, you could put Gail Simone in charge of something like Paradise Lost. She'd do a pretty terrific job, and she knows the mythology really well. well speaking great. of Tom King, the the la- the other two the other two announcements we'll just quickly run through are the the uh, two more films. Well, there are three more films. There's a Swamp Thing film that Mike alluded to earlier that James Mangold I think is attached to. Like there was a tweet back and forth and he's like posting pictures of Swamp Thing and I think Variety had the story that he's in negotiations to direct Swamp Thing there's also an authority movie which is another kind of like out of left field oh my god you saved the authority thing for last you guys are such total old school DC heads the authority <laughs> thing is the most exciting thing did, did it's the folks... most exciting thing for me did, I'm, I, I'm joking around but did you folks read the authority or no well I, I, I'm familiar with I mean what you know we were talking about representation like the one thing about the authority that's interesting is that like Apollo and Midnighter are probably the two most prominent will be the two most prominent LGBT superheroes. Super in a, gay in couple. Film, and they're right. Cool. Like they're not only right, they're not only gay, but they're a couple, they're married. Yeah. But it's yeah. also like they do rely on some tropes, but we'll, we'll, we can get into that when it authority is very much in the vein of like the boys, right? The it's boys. kind of like cynical yeah. superheroes, which is interesting to be in your like initial slate of like a rebooting the superhero franchise and you're throwing in your cynical superheroes. That's it. Here's my like hot take. Maybe they're the bad guys. Yes, sure. That's exactly what I think. Because look, if you're pitching Superman as kindness in a Optimistic, world, yeah. kindness, then who's going to fight the authority? Who needs to stand up to the authority? It's got to be Superman, you know, and it's got to be these other heroes who actually do believe in a sense of morality and justice. A Batman that's trying to get a kid not to kill people, uh, Supergirl. I'm not sure what, what his take is on that or Swamp Thing, but yeah, you got to have this morality going up against this these amoral characters. I think that has to be a big Apollo versus Superman kind of event. That they're yeah, Midnighter versus Batman. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a good set. And then you're right. You can't have like broody, violent Ben Affleck branding people Batman if you have the Midnighter in your universe. Because no. that's his whole thing, right? Like Midnighter is like this brutal... And you never should have had branding, branding, (laughs) killing Batman in the first place. That's just counter to what Batman is. So, and I, I will say, I I didn't save this for the last on purpose, but you, you, we keep talking about Tom King, and I do want to mention, like, there is a as as kind of per usual, in, in like the way we build cinematic universes now, there is like a writers' room of of people, and and there it's a really fascinating combination of folks. James Gunn, of course, think of him as the Kevin Feige, the showrunner of this DC universe like extended you know television series but part of his writer's room is drew goddard who is uh connected to like x-men films he wrote cloverfield and daredevil. out in the woods like i think i believe he's, he's connected to daredevil it's one point wasn't yes. he? i believe yes he was showrunner for the first season your favorite uh, dominic christina hodson is part of the writer's room she's the yeah writer thank goodness she's the in flash there. birds of prey and the canceled batgirl film also jeremy carver we mentioned earlier he's the showrunner of the creator and showrunner of Doom Patrol, Crystal Henry, who was a producer and writer on Watchmen. They're both running the Waller show. And last but not least, my favorite comic book writer of this modern generation, Tom King, is is part of the writer's room. And, and Tom King's Supergirl run from last year, like this was, you know, we were talking about like, does the art represent the movie? James Gunn out and out said, this movie is based on Woman of Tomorrow. This movie is an adaptation yes. of Woman of Tomorrow. Tom King is like part of it. So that's exciting. You know, like to your point about like we we never like DC has always kind of avoided fully adapting like actual comic book storylines. Woman of Tomorrow is a very interesting take on Supergirl and they're fully making that their Supergirl movie. What I what I do find interesting is that Supergirl is also a character in The Flash. There was no indication of Sasha Calais is coming to play this version of Supergirl, right? Like they're going to recast probably. We don't know. I mean, in my opinion, it's very possible that they could bring her back as well. But mm. I bet they want to see how that flash goes over. <laughs> That's what I think as well. I think that'll make a lot of decisions. Yes. I think so too. Can I add something about the writers just so what we're talking about? You're talking about the writer's room and you know how they're pulling from a more recent generation of beloved stories, Grant Morrison you know, uh, Tom Kingster, who I think are great. Like, when this news came out uh, and it was about the authority, I think, uh, was it Brian Hitch, who was one of the main artists on the authority? To that was like, oh, that's news to me. Um, and I have no idea whether he meant that, like, funny or angry or both. I'm guessing a bit of both. But, you know, 
Just as long as we're announcing massive slates, so to remind everyone that like it is good to respect the writers and artists who made this shit up, who now are going to turn into a hundred billion dollar movies. Like it's cool. Like for us as fans to go, oh, that's my favorite comic. Let's just take it into movie and let's let's remember the processes. Some some writers and artists for Marvel and DC made the comics, and James Gunn read them, and he got in a position to spend $200 million on a movie. So, I don't know. This I, I'd like to see how this all plays out. I'd like to think it plays out with, you know, continued respect and awareness for the people who made up what ended up being our favorite stories, and the stories that were more that make us more excited about the DC universe than we were previously. Anyway. Yeah, 100%. And if, if anything, like, there seems to be some acknowledgement of that, at least on James Gunn's part. Right? James like, Gunn is more of it than previous. Than anyone else, right? Like, anyone else, yeah. Yeah, I mean, no shade to Kevin Feige, but, like, you know, I don't think he's ever really come out and said, like, shout out to, aside from maybe, like, Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, like, yeah. shout out to, like, right. you know, uh, Ed Brubaker for The Winter Soldier. I mean, aside from, like, maybe casting, right. uh, putting Jim Starlin in the movie for, like, a cameo yeah. or something. And they do get compensated in some way. I'm not saying they don't get compensated, but but it's very arguable whether they get compensated in proportion with. But to have Tom King be part of like basically an executive producer of the DC universe, you know, is is probably the most acknowledgement a comic book writer has gotten in the building of any of these cinematic franchises. Closest I could think of is maybe Fraction being a creative consultant on Hawkeye, and that's it. But yeah, there's not much else, you know. Yeah, and as David Aha was like kind of pissed off about like. You're using my artwork and you don't come yeah. to me for Hawkeye, that same Hawkeye. So yeah. here's the big the, the big $64,000 question. Dominic alluded to this earlier. This ain't the first time Warner Brothers and DC said, here's a slate of movies. Yep. Other than Superman, we have a July 2025 start date or not start premiere date for that. Are these movies coming out? Like the thing about Warner Brothers that we know, they are a mm-hmm. fickle bitch. Yes. They could sell Discovery, could sell Warner Brothers like tomorrow <laughs> to, to Comcast or whoever. And this whole thing gets thrown out the window, right? Like over under, how confident are we that this slate actually manifests in the next couple of years? Or do we think, as per usual with DC, some sort of course correction happens? Not even a course correction, just like HBO Max, you know, disintegrates and they have to <laughs> merge with yet another Nintendo fucking buys <laughs> DC and, and we have Mario in the next cinematic universe. Like what so what's the over under? This is for everyone. What is the over under that this actually happened? I don't I don't know. <laughs> I want to keep faith because I like I said, like I've always enjoyed like at least, you know, DC animated stuff and all their older films when I was younger and like some of the stuff now. So I'm hoping they get a win because like again, I'm tired of people always being like Marvel has the better characters when, you know, I feel like, you know, there's good characters from both sides and all that stuff. Not to both sides this thing, but you know. <laughs> um <laughs> uh, but so yeah, I hope that there's a win for DC, but like you said, it's so fickle that you just can't have full faith that it's gonna come to fruition. So I guess we'll just see in the next couple of years. I'm pretty confident, actually. I'm about 80% confident. And and there's a reason why. It has to do a lot with the structural changes that they've made here. DC Studios is its own separate studio now. Gunn and Saffron are not reporting into anyone from the Warner Brothers side. One of the biggest issues, really, was you'd have these studio executives that didn't really know anything about comics, that just thought that they knew what appealed to specific audiences, really intervening and really destroying a lot of, you know, directors work and create a vision that went inside the, the, the movies for better or worse. Without that level of infrastructure commanding them, if Gunn and Saffron are basically getting carte blanche and Superman's kind of kicking things off, I definitely think that Superman will be enough of, if it's good, will be enough of a good launching point for us to get into the authority. And I think people would be very interested to see how this all evolves from there. That said, again, to your point, Keith, very fickle. Like, Zasloff is a very fickle person, as we know, very much so, from his behavior on things that get cut, things that don't get cut, things that get canceled, Batgirl being shelved. So I'm kind of torn between one executive's ego in promising all of these things and then ending up having to cancel them and look bad because of that, and his and his determination 
you know, to prove to everyone that he might know best, you know, I think that that's going to be the make it or break it for this. So he might stick to this, even if things are not financially successful, just because he thinks he doesn't want to look bad or he might shut it down because he shuts, he likes shutting things down. It's fun for him. So I mean, it could, there you go. If, if it means that uh, you get a tax break by not releasing eight of the projects that were announced last week, yeah, I feel like Zaslav would do that. The good news is, according to Gunn, and let's see if they stick with this, but I've got confidence that Gunn will, they're not moving into production on anything without a completed script. That has to be, hmm. that's, that is a, the difference that he has, uh, he says he's going to implement that other studios don't. And he would know because he's worked with, as we know, other studios that move forward with production on things without having a second act cleared. So they force the Illuminati in there for whatever reason. So... <laughs> Yeah, I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> well said. I'm not confident, but that they're all coming up. But it's fine. But that's fine because, as you said earlier, Keith, continuity is the domain of nerds. It is a fun thing for us to think about. I'm just going to do a real world check here. We enjoy thinking about this whole slate. It's nice that they announced this whole slate. It gives the appearance of a plan. A uh, person on the street does not care that in three years there is probably going to be a brave in the bold movie simply do not care about all this sequencing that we take to heart because we enjoy it it gives us joy so the point is it gives us joy it's fine i think again on the real world a lot is going to depend on how the flash works out because that movie has been is been through all kind of real world hell and is like ridiculousness and again, it is not Batman or Superman. So, Cam, the not Batman or Superman movie. But it kind of like, is a Batman movie, but, you know, whatever. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> but, they, but they had to get him in there so it could justify its case as a movie. I, I mean, mean, I'm surprised they don't just rename it Batman colon The Flash. <laughs> yeah, here's the basic, I mean, the DC thing, like, if you're talking about why movies will happen or not, they're still making a case for the ones that are not Batman and Superman. Right. That's 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 very basic. Yeah, I mean, the, of the four projects coming out this year, right? I mean, aside from Michael Keaton's appearance, they're, they're all, you're right, they're all solo movies not featuring either Superman or Batman. That's, that's exciting. It is exciting for us fans. And But now that you brought it up, I'm I'm so excited for the possibility that's leading to a Justice League versus Authority movie. That now, now I'm now I'm extra invested in a way I wasn't when we began this conversation. So <laughs> well, that we did our. I job. think that would be a great place for it to end up. Yeah, that is a great place, and we'll do a really quick "What's Nerd Popping" for everyone, and then wrap up. We'll start with you, Brittany. What is nerd popping for you? So, for anyone who knows my music side of things, very exciting things are happening for me in my music. My favorite band ever is releasing a new album this year. As you know, Fall Out Boy. I'm really excited. I literally have spent $500 alone on Fall Out Boy this year. <laughs> Before their new album comes out? Um, I pre- That's considerable. So I- yeah, I pre-ordered their album that comes with like a autographed like copy of the album and like a hoodie. And then I ordered, uh, I got um the guitarist's Joe Troman's book that he wrote. And then I spent like 300 over almost $400 on their tickets. <laughs> um, when they're here in LA, um, I got the second date because the Academy is who is one of my favorite bands who they don't really do music anymore. And they kind of just play shows every now and then just to like appease people who like them. But they usually just do it in the Midwest. So they're going to be here in LA. That's very exciting. So uh, Fall Out Boy, it's great. I'm really, like, I'm happy. No one can question Britney's Fall Out Boy fandom. Dominic, <laughs> what is nerd popping? Oh, just a quick shout out to um, this comic book from Dark Horse called White Savior by the artist Eric Wen, which I read through and I'm going to write up on the site sometime, but because we're here talking about it, I would just uh, mention it. Uh, it's a funny adventure spoof on the white saber trope a la last samurai or the great wall and it helps if you know the trope and it helps it also a kind of comedic satir- satiric take on these things then uh, more on that later excellent anyway, white savior dark horse mike as our special guest you get the last word on nerd poppin what is what's nerd poppin for you this week yeah so this week i'm going to have the opportunity to see a giant movie coming up soon um i'm going to i'm looking forward to potentially throwing a review on the site um once the embargo drops so i'm hoping that uh everyone will 
join me as the quantum mania of it all kind of, you know, starts to explode and starts to get better. Yeah. (laughs) So very cool. We'll probably spend more time talking about this when the season is over, but as a non-gamer, I'm learning all of these things from The Last of Us by watching the show. We're recording before episode Mm -hmm. four drops, so I don't know what happens. I know that Mike, I think you've probably seen episode four. That was probably part of the the, the tranche you were given to review. I knew nothing about the game. I didn't even know it was a zombie game until Mm -hmm. I watched the show. So I can't say anything that hasn't already been said about episode three, Frank and Bill, relationship goals, right? But anyone review bombing this show get a life because like it's literally the best show on television so good and you're here and again as as having no connection to the video game shout out to pedro pascal he just hosted saturday night live last night probably the best snl of the season i don't know if you've caught the mario kart last of us parody if not check that out on youtube so yeah i mean again to promote last of us seems pretty like basic because everyone loves this show but i have a question i missed your uh, discussion the last of us um on the podcast and as someone who's uh, played the uh, the game well, well we haven't really talked about it we w- i want to talk about it more in the future you haven't really talked about it okay the... here's a conceptual question before we get into any deep conversation which could be later as a uh, versus watch the show not play the game where you hard fast spoiler yes please don't spoil like, <laughs> because uh, what happens in the game like, after after watching you're the first experiencing episode, it as a show right? yeah yeah exactly i know nothing like i said i didn't even know it was a zombie show until until i watched the first episode and because i thought last of us was like dystopian post-apocalyptic i didn't know it was zombies right yeah and i watched the first episode i decided well let me watch one of those cinematics on youtube and then it was like oh this I, this is too much let me stop <laughs> and i want to watch i'm going to experience the show and then maybe go back and experience the game afterwards so yeah please don't spoil I, there's I'm a minority not wanna... watching the show, but I can explain why later. Yeah. The show so, is great. The show is amazing. Everyone I'm sure it, it is. <laughs> this podcast has been amazing. Mike Malala, as our guest, I will give you the first opportunity to tell people how to find you on the internet. Sounds good. You guys can find me at TidyBullBoy182 on Twitter and Instagram. But as always, my work and coverage is on the Nerds of Color with Keith and the rest of the staff and Dom and Brittany and everyone. Thank you guys so much for having me, by the way. This was amazing. Hey, great to talk with you. Brittany, how can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Hive, even though I'm kind of not as active on Hive because I thought I was going to Does anyone out, use Hive? I, I mean, let's be real. I don't know. <laughs> at Hive Brittany Monet, and then um, my other podcast, Situation Room, which is at Lit Room underscore podcast. I think I finally got the at down. <laughs> That's what you did out on, on Christmas break was, yeah, was memorizing it. <laughs> and we finally recorded another episode where we talk about Black Adam, Black Panther, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So, yeah. Dominic? I'm uh, Dominic Ma at Dama, D-O-M-M-A-H on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at the real Chow, the underscore real underscore Chow, and at real Keith Chow on Instagram. Follow the Nerds of Color on all social media platforms at the Nerds of Color. Go to hardknockmedia.com to find this and all of the podcasts in the Hard Knock family. Give us a rating and a review. If you do, subscribe to our videos at youtube.com slash the Nerds of Color and support our channel at patreon.com slash the Nerds of Color. Until next time, everybody. Pedro Pascal is everything. Pedro Pascal is daddy. <laughs> yes. Like literally, that's his That's his whole deal. He's just everyone's dad. No, that's true. That's his type. Something <laughs> about that. Except in the Wonder Woman 84 movie. He was right, somebody's daddy too. there. Oh, right. He was daddy in that too. You're right. You're right. That was the whole problem. Okay. <laughs>